0: This is Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood, and yes, we need your help. We need to raise $110,000 by the end of June, and we're counting on you to pitch in. For details, check out our website, LOE.org, or call 1-617-629-3638. Please help and give what you can. And thank you. Oriental Bittersweet is a classic case of an ornamental plant gone bad. Until recently, gardeners sang its praises. The red and orange-buried vine could grow almost anywhere. And it has, strangling, damaging, and even killing trees along the way. There are few options for controlling it. But as Lori Sanders reports, one forester is getting competitive about eradicating the vine and trying to have some fun at the same
1: time. Since its arrival 200 years ago, Oriental Bittersweet has escaped from cultivation and now grows wild in 25 states, 21 of which have declared it an invasive weed. About 10 years ago, the state of Connecticut grew so concerned, it outlawed transporting, selling, or distributing Oriental bittersweet in any form. That's right around the time that one local forester, Lincoln Fish, says he began seeing a lot of it growing in the woods. Fish helps manage thousands of acres of private and public forest land in western Massachusetts.
2: I started noticing that when we'd put in a, an access road or a new log landing or something, many of the jobs would end up having weird plants on them, like bittersweet especially. And so about 10 or 15 years ago, I had to admit to myself that in order to do a really good long-term job of forest management, you have to control the exotic invasive plants or else they will take over.
1: Fish now spends about a third of his time controlling invasive plants for his clients. And bittersweet is the worst of them. When this vine snakes its way into the canopy, it usually gets there by coiling tightly around a tree trunk. The strangled tree contorts and twists in response, and its lumber value is reduced to that of firewood. But that's not all it does. Bittersweet overruns saplings, shades out native plants, and the weight of the vines in the canopy can take down an entire tree.
2: A couple of years ago, I cut a mammoth bittersweet vine, and I saw it laying on the ground. I thought, "Wow, that'd make a great picture." So I asked my coworker if he'd pick it up and hold it while I took his picture, and. He got a little sheepish and said, no, he couldn't do that. It would be like him posing with my trophy buck. But he would take my picture with it. And that's when the idea sort of first germinated.
1: The idea, could anyone in Massachusetts find a bittersweet vine that was bigger than this one, which measures six inches across and looks more like a small tree trunk? This spring, Fish decided to take his bittersweet challenge public, sending out mass emails and getting on Twitter and Facebook... Right away, he started getting
2: responses. This one guy who's an arborist emailed me and said, I have been training my entire life for this competition. (laughs) And then somebody else emailed me and said, I'm quitting my job and going vine hunting.
1: And the competition is why we're here in Northampton, Massachusetts, along a dusty farm road close to Route 91 on the edge of a floodplain forest. We're waiting for the new bittersweet queen apparent, Alison Bell, who has found a whopper near this site and claims it's a contender for the title.
2: But she has not yet submitted an official measurement photo. So that's what we're doing here today is we, we actually we need to check on our contestants and, and make sure they're telling the truth and not just using trick photography to, to try to get the glory of being the bittersweet queen or king.
1: Bell is a graphic designer, writer, and an intrepid hunter of bittersweet. Within 24 hours of hearing about the contest, she contacted Fish, letting him know she had a potential champion. Strapped to the hood of her car is the formidable specimen, 3 feet long, 25 pounds.
2: That is truly an impressive figurehead on the front of your car, may I say.
1: Well, I can get her untied if you guys help me lift it off the car.
2: <laughs> Setting it on the
1: ground, Fish and Bell study it find the widest surface to measure. All right, do we have the official measuring device? Which, just to be clear, is a regular old measuring tape. The bittersweet challenge has helped bring some humor to an otherwise depressing topic. For his part, Lincoln Fish knows it isn't going to solve the problems this invasive vine is causing. For him, it's more about raising awareness, and he's offering some exciting prizes to stimulate interest. The final winner will receive not only the title of bittersweet king or queen, but Fish will also personally clear one acre of bittersweet wherever the winner wants. He's already heard from people who would like to win the prize, from private citizens to the National Park Service. Which brings us back to that giant bittersweet vine that Alison Bell cut down. Oh, Just how many inches wow. across is that thing? Pretty right on eight. And then the short way is,
2: is, is a little less than six. Well, that would average out to be seven, and that is certainly our new champion. So congratulations.
1: It's certainly a great honor, and I don't get to be queen of much very often. Today I'm very proud. Fish snaps the official photo, and then for the grand finale, killing the rest of that 50-year-old vine. Just pulling up bittersweet or cutting it down doesn't do it. After chainsawing the vine close to the ground... Fish sprays the fresh stump with the herbicide triclopyr, which kills the roots and prevents the stump from resprouting, creating a whole new tangle of bittersweet here.
2: That you could still find. A bigger I still one. could. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: I'm going to and keep looking.
2: I can tell by the gleam in your eye that you are up to the challenge.
1: The bittersweet challenge runs through August 2012. For Living on Earth, I'm Lori Sanders.
0: And there's a plan to expand the contest to all 21 states that classify bittersweet as invasive. That could open the door for competitions inside and between states. To see pictures of the giant bittersweet specimen of Allison Bell, climb on over to our website, LOE.org. the next living on earth it's going to cost hundreds of billions to keep the wheels on the nation's public transit system investing in public transportation is investing in our city in our society in our state in our people it is by far the right thing to do we have it here we just need to reinvest in ourselves and realize that but who will pay to keep public transit on track that's next time on living on earth Is produced by the World Media Foundation. Our crew includes Bobby Bascom, Eileen Belinsky, Bruce Gellerman, Jessica Elise Kern, Ingrid Lobet, and Helen Palmer, with help from Megan Miner, Gabriella Romano, and Sammy Souza. And this week, we're pleased to welcome some new interns, Annie Sneed and Annabelle Ford. Jeff Turton is our technical director, Allison Lierstein composed our themes. You can find us anytime at LOE.org, and don't forget our Facebook page, it's PRI's Living on Earth. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Living on Earth. That's just one word. I'm Steve Kerwood. Thanks for listening. Funding for Living on Earth comes from the National Science Foundation, supporting coverage of emerging science. And Stonyfield Farm, organic yogurt and smoothies. Stonyfield invites you to just eat organic for a day. Details at justeatorganic.com. Support also comes from you, our listeners. The Go Forward Fund and Pax World Mutual and Exchange Traded Funds.